Welcome to the Harnessing Happiness podcast. Upbeat vibes generated and transferred to you. Now here's your host, Sarah J. Naylor. Hello and welcome to Harnessing Happiness with myself, Sarah J. Naylor. Thank you, as always, for stopping by and listening to our podcast. As you know, I love you all as my listeners, far and wide as you are across the globe, which is awesome. And I think I've had nearly 25,000 all-time downloads now, which is pretty magnificent. So thank you. So today... I have another Sarah with me. Yay! It's a good old name, Sarah. When I was at school, I actually had five Sarahs in one class. It was very strange. Anyway, I'm going to hand over to Sarah to introduce herself to you all. As you know, that's the way I like to do it because my guests know themselves far better than I do. Anyway, over to you, Sarah. Please do introduce yourself to my fabulous listeners. My name is Sarah Furness. Thank you very much for having me on the show. So I come from 21 years as a helicopter pilot in the Royal Air Force. But at the end of my career, I transitioned to be a coach, Um, started out as a mindfulness coach, actually. And now I'm a speaker and an author. It's all very exciting. And you've got so much to share, I'm sure. And I'm I'm really, really excited about digging in because this is really the first time that we have met. We've had a little bit of an exchange previously on LinkedIn. Yes, I've had uh, a reader Sarah's book. So that's coming out very soon. So excited for you to be able to read that because it's really informative and uh, a bit of a handbook, really, (laughs) which I'm sure we'll tell you more about. But I'm intrigued and I want to know so much more myself. So listeners, you're going to be listening to me asking Sarah lots of questions because I'm really, really curious. I want to know, first and foremost, got to hear about the helicopter career in the RAF because, come on, that must have been pretty awesome. And as I say, from the bit that I've read in the book, I'm going, oh, my word, good grief. Do tell us a bit about your background. You know, what what took you into the RAF? Why you became a helicopter pilot particularly? And, yeah, and what it was all like because I mean it's got to be fascinating I mean I don't speak to helicopter pilots every day I mean I see them go over the house but I mean what it's like (laughs) to fly one is another matter altogether over to you bleak shay story (laughs) I should be honest and say that the reason I joined the air force is because I watched Top Gun if I'm really honest I think pretty much every pilot uh, has the same reason they might tell you differently but we all really joined because of Top Gun (laughs) it's Tom Cruise's Uh, fault actually It is, it is. And actually, my partner's an ex-helicopter pilot too, and we recently went to see Maverick. Have you seen Maverick? No, I want to see it. We we couldn't get tickets and we wanted to go and see it, and then it's been hot. You know what it's like. Yeah, I must watch it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, it's so good. But we were in the cinema, and we were like, we're pilots, everyone, we're pilots. (laughs) We do that too. I mean, we don't. We don't do anything like that. We're flying helicopters. But yeah, so Top Gun's got a lot to answer for. It really inspired me. And actually, I think there's something lovely about that, because there's so much stuff out there about, you know, all the bad news and the things that can drag us down or you know how we need to address the problems and Top Gun was just good old-fashioned dreaming you know you just got to dream about an amazing future and think god you know what if I could do that? And my parents never had the sense to tell me I couldn't. So it never entered my mind that I couldn't. I love that, that your parents didn't say no. <laughs> also, they didn't say, oh, yes, you could be a female pilot. You could be, you know, they just went, yeah, sounds great. So I think for a lot of those reasons, a lot of those barriers that we put in our own way, they certainly weren't put in, in my way by my parents. You know, they were just like, absolutely, Sarah, you go for it. So, so I did. And then obviously, as you go through the training, you sort of start to see the attrition rate of people falling by the wayside and thinking, oh, I've bitten off more than I can chew here. <laughs> it's not quite um, as it is in the movies. No. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I kind of made it through, kept going. I was pretty determined. That's a trait I've always had 
maybe to at the cost of other things, but I have always been incredibly determined and focused. Um, and, you know, it got me into the cockpit of the helicopter. So I'm very grateful for that. So you went straight in with a desire to be a pilot then. It wasn't like you went in to the RAF to do anything else, but I want to be a pilot and you made it happen. I was laser focused on being a pilot. And actually they sort of said, well, you can't be because your arms are too short, believe it or not. Back in those days, a lot of women got turned away because we tend to be shorter. You know, they don't size the cockpit to the person. They size the person to the cockpit. You know, I was, I'm an average height for a woman, but um, they said, oh no, your arms are too short. You can't be a pilot. And there's a story behind that. But basically I spent about six months just ringing them all the time going, please remeasure me, please remeasure me. Uh, and eventually they did. I have to ask you, were you were you hanging from monkey bars for the I six know, months? I know, everyone always asked that, so I should... <laughs> do you know, uh, so my mum went out and got me a personal trainer. And again, they didn't really exist back then, but she was mm. like, we need to stretch Sarah's arms. Um, and I thought, <laughs> I I thought the same thing. <laughs> and he said, actually, you just need more flexibility in your arms. If you actually get too muscly, it was shorter arms. Think about the bouncers that can't put their arms yes. down because they're so stacked. Of course, of course. <laughs> so you course. actually don't want to be strong. You want to be flexible. So really, I was just doing yoga. And again, back then, you didn't even think about that sort of stuff. So yeah, so I did that. And I had this little thing up against my wall that I used to measure myself against every day, just checking in and then managed to get remeasured and managed to convince the doctor to sign me off. But I remember him saying, don't go telling any other girls this because they'll all get ideas and they'll all want to be remeasured kind of thing. I remember kind of feeling like I'd really, really kind of slipped through the net there. I was like, okay, I'll keep that one quiet, you know. (laughs) But doesn't it just go, isn't that a great demonstration though of the power of setting intentions because you you had this intention that you wanted to get in you got in they said your arms were too short but you were still focused on what it was you wanted to achieve and you made it happen uh, yeah I, I was and also you know my mum was brilliant this was when I was 16 but she was like no no you know she just sort of didn't take no for an answer which could have been um, quite a annoying trait at times but you know, she really helped me and she really showed me that actually just because someone says no the first time doesn't mean that you know you have to sort of give up so that that was a great lesson um in just sort of sticking at it and also the reason i had the ability to get remeasured was because i'd been measured previously and the measurements were there was a discrepancy so i had evidence to say you've measured me wrong and i kept ringing the ref up saying i think you've made a mistake and they kept saying, yeah, 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 we'll remeasure you. And they were just basically ghosting me. They just, I think they just thought if they ignored me for long enough, I'd go away. But I just didn't. And I remember finally getting through, you know, after six months, and I heard this sigh on the end of the phone. And this woman going, if we remeasure you, will you stop calling me? <laughs> and I was like, yes, I will. Do you do realise, Sarah, you could have had a marvellous career in sales? <laughs> The persistence and the consistency of your approach and your confidence of going out <laughs> Oh, brilliant. What did you feel like then when you actually got accepted in and you could start the training? Well, it's funny because it, great, but also I don't, I don't like to throw labels around, as you saw my post earlier, but we call it imposter syndrome now. I just thought, how have I managed to make it through? So many other people haven't. So, you know, at some point they're going to figure out I shouldn't be here. Um, and I just, you know, I kept going, doing all right and um, getting through all the training. You know, so I, I'm not a Top Gun pilot. I'm an Airwolf pilot. I went helicopters, not fast jets. But I started out wanting to fly, you know, fighters. And I actually got pretty darn close to getting there. It was really my last flight. You know, it was my last test flight. And I was there, you know, I was pretty much there. And I think that was the, I just bottled it. You know, I fell apart and I suddenly 
couldn't fly the aircraft like I could the day before. And I think there was almost this kind of, wait, so they've made a mistake and someone sort of found, found out by now that I shouldn't be here. And so they haven't, so I'll just do it for them. You know, and I kind of unwittingly self-sabotaged probably. Or I wasn't very good, I don't know. Funnily enough, I think the closer I got to actually achieving this, you know, unrealistic dream, if you like, the more I felt, well, oh, I was expecting that. <laughs> what do I do now? And I had this, almost this fear of success. And that's the power of the subconscious. Yeah, that's, that's the power of the subconscious though, isn't it? I mean, you were using that powerful intention setting, knowing you could do it, but then as soon as soon as that element of doubt creeps in you're talking about labels but you know, self-sabotage yes but it it, it it impacts then and this is why it's so coming back to mindfulness like you've re- referred to earlier it's so important to be mindful of your words thoughts and actions absolutely there's that quote by henry ford isn't it? i think it's henry ford he says whether you think you can or you can't you're probably right and I absolutely proved that you know because i deep down thought well i probably can't but also like you say the mindfulness aspect I suppose it was the pressure of not knowing will I ever make it through. And at some point, I decided I couldn't deal with the pressure anymore. But of course, we can. We're actually way more resilient than we realise. And feelings and thoughts are just feelings and thoughts, you know. But I didn't know that back then. But life's a journey. Life's a journey of learning. And that's what we're all here to do. That's my belief system that, you know, we predetermine what we want to learn. And it's up to us when the lessons are presented for us to learn from them. If we don't learn from them, they will be represented time and time again until we've grasped it. And if we don't learn it in this lifetime, lifetime, I believe we come back again. So I'm sure as heck... (laughs) doing as much as I can to learn it now I'm just like I've had times where I've put my head above really every time I put my head above the parapet something else flies at me going okay now what (laughs) but anyway so you so you didn't get into the big jet so then was that the point at then which you then became a helicopter pilot yeah so there's a sort of hierarchy and then you've got your sort of fighter jets at the top that's where the best people go so that means you've got a couple of rungs to fall down. So I went helicopters because they're a bit slower and actually loved it. And, and in a helicopter, you get to go a lot lower to the ground and you get to do some really amazing things you can't do in other jets. So actually, I think it's, it's just as good. It was fortunate in a way that I'd gone the path I had because it gave me a couple of backup options. <laughs> so then I got to fly helicopters as well. So I was sort of doubly blessed. Absolutely loved it. You know, helicopters are a great aircraft to fly. It's a real flying aircraft. You know, you really have to sort of feel the aircraft. I want someone once likened it to sort of driving a motorbike where you can sort of feel it kind of gathering up beneath you. So it's a great thing to fly. It's so much smaller, isn't it? And you're actually sort of, you're in it, you're part, you're almost like part of it. You become part of the machine. Yeah, there is that. I mean, yeah, we tend to be smaller. Um, and I think also just the way the helicopter flies, you get immediate response. Whereas the jet, you kind of do that with a throttle and it takes seven seconds for the engine to spool up. So it's just a different way of flying, but and they're both wonderful. <laughs> I have to say, I've been in a helicopter once, and that was on a little bit of a joyride round Monaco. So <laughs> as far as my... Oh, very nice. Yes, yes. Oh, so many, many, many years ago, a business I worked for, they were celebrating their 10th anniversary, and they took everybody to Monaco. And it was actually cheaper to take fly everybody to Monaco for the weekend than it was to everybody to go to London in a hotel there. So we all went to Monaco, and we, so we were felt compelled because they'd paid for everything to do what one of the directors wanted us to do which was book a helicopter flight around Monaco so that's that's what happened <laughs> yeah, so that's my one and only time up in a machine <laughs> but it was great really enjoyed it what kind of machines helicopters were you flying so I did all of my operational 
stuff on the Puma helicopter, which is, is it an SA-330? It's a French design. <laughs> I'm not very good at it. I just fly them and I don't build them or engineer them. But um, it's got a rotor on top and it's a medium-sized helicopter. So it's a battle taxi. You can get about 16 people down the back. It's camouflage coloured. You know, most people think I'm in the army because it's green. It's actually an RAF helicopter, but, um, you know, we do a lot of stuff, you know, landing in fields and living in tents and that kind of stuff. Ah, okay. Yeah, I think I'd have automatically thought, you know, as soon as you've got sort of the camo, oh, that's army, but... Oh, it, sound, it sounds amazing. So how many years did you actually fly for then, did you say? Well, I was in the Air Force for 21 years. And I mean, you're just training for most of that, to be honest, so you off the training, off flying training. But I went on to the front line in 2006. So I guess 12 years or so on kind of frontline service. Yeah, because you were active service, weren't you? So that must have been a bit uh, terrifying at times. But I guess they, they, they train you up and that's the whole point. They train you up to deal with the uh, the real stuff. <laughs> I've learned some great lessons from that in that we can train ourselves to be more resilient. We can train ourselves to perform a certain way. We can train ourselves to think a certain way, as you know. And that's something the military really does understand is that it's all about the training. It might not feel like this, but we spend most of our time training not fighting you know so we spend 99% of a military career is not dodging bullets at all it's training so that you know we know what to do when we're kind of under fire and you don't really have to think about it it's it's been kind of ingrained into you oh not really you know I, you know, I had no no comprehension of that but uh, yeah as you said to you and you've referred to it a couple of times is that there's all of that training and the, the mindfulness that kind of comes into that training that's brought into the lives that you you now lead as a coach and as a speaker and as an author like you said so how long is it since you actually came out of the RF and what's the journey been like in coming out um so I served my last day in the Air Force last year, July 2021. I'm officially a pensioner now because uh, I left on a, on a pension, which is great. <laughs> but I sort of started my journey, I guess, three years ago, set up well, be it. I think it was, it was basically when COVID started. Has that been two or three years? It's all... Yes, 2020. We lose, lose a couple of years. I have, do you know what? To be perfectly honest, if somebody said it's 2015, I'd believe them. I just really have I've no concept. The years and the weeks and the months go by so quickly. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so on that basis, two and a half years ago, set up the business, which was coaching primarily. And so I started doing that as I was leaving the Air Force and actually started doing it on Air Force people. So because COVID started, we all suddenly went online and I ran Wellness Wednesday sessions, you know, for the people in the military and, and just started teaching mindfulness to, you know, a group of military people. So it's actually a great place to practice. Yeah. And then, you know, you know, it's like you kind of get your first clients and go, oh, wow, I'm actually an entrepreneur now. This is Yes, I'm helping people. Um, and then, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And then it sort of just goes from there. So actually, it was a transition. You know, it was actually very gentle. I was very lucky in a way in, in that I was able to do it the way that I did. I didn't have that kind of being absolutely severed from military life. It was I was able to kind of grow into being an entrepreneur. But as you said, and you know, the, the training that it's given you, I mean, obviously, combined with that sort of grit and determination that you've got, the resilience that you'd built up, the training that you've alluded to that gave you mindfulness, as you said, you know, it's sort of fallen into place. But you know, this is what I believe in everything sort of falls into place. If you have this sort of intention, you can know where you're going, but let go of the outcome, you recognise the opportunities as they spring up, and you take them, you seize them. And obviously that's what you did right at the off when you started to do the wellness Wednesdays which is great because then you, you're widening your network 
straight away you, you're seizing that opportunity because there's always opportunities there are always options there's always lots of different ways of looking at things i mean i guess we could talk coaching terms till the <laughs> till the helicopters come home so <laughs> what have you enjoyed about the change because i mean it's a massive change in many respects from coming out of the military from that sort of rigidity and sort of life that is sort of dictated to you by the beast that it is to then suddenly, as you refer to, being an entrepreneur and going, oh, hello, I can have my, I can make my day my own. I can do what I want, when I want, because that's quite a difference. Or do you still use, and it's interesting, as I'm asking you this question, I'm thinking about clients that I've had that have been in sort of worked from the teaching area and they work in school terms and they look at the calendar, the diary in such a way that it's in blocks of time like that. So do you use that sort of military training and approach to how you now work as a coach yourself in terms of your own business rather than how you discipline your coaching clients? (laughs) Yeah, I suppose I've cherry picked all the bits I like the best about the military and there were aspects of it that could do with improvement like I said I think we can all afford to be a bit more proactive about how we train our minds and I think that's something the military is still learning so I think I've probably just picked all the best bits really and the bits that I, I like the best and you know I'm really really big on you know self-sufficiency and it all starts here. And I'm not saying make it all about me, but you know, we talk about leadership and that's what a lot of people want to talk to me about because they go, they go military equals leadership. We have this instant credibility in the leadership arena, which I'm happy to, (laughs) I'm happy to exploit. But you know, we have to start with self-leadership. And I think in some ways, some of the, the really freeing things that happened when I left the Air Force was that I'd spent so much time wanting to be part of a big team and wanting to be one of the boys and wanting to be part of a tribe and it's so strong in the military that kind of that culture and it's lovely you know that camaraderie that you feel it's fantastic and feeling like you're like each other is a lovely place to be but I also learned when I left the Air Force to sort of trust what I think and trust my own instinct and trust that I can get through and also speak up and say this might not be the popular thing to say but this is what I think I kind of really grew as a person when I left because I sort of gave myself permission to sort of be 100% Sarah and not conform to a military stereotype, if you like. So that was really freeing. And that's something that I've taken with me, which probably isn't very military. But the thing I've taken from the military that I do kind of hammer home is that is that training. You know, if you want to perform well under pressure or if you want to feel strong under pressure, you train the brain. And the, the secret to training the brain is repetition. And you just do it over and over again. There's actually nothing more fancy to it than that. You just commit to the training. And the key to repetition for me is routine. You know, if you make it part of your routine, you'll do it every day. So therefore, it's not difficult. So there's some really simple concepts you can sort of steal from military and then use them almost as the framework on which I place my the concepts of letting go of limiting thoughts and all that sort of stuff is stuff that I got from mindfulness but I can use the framework of military training to make it land and make it stick yeah absolutely it is and it's all about that consistent approach I mean when I first trained and qualified as a coach and learnt about the subconscious and the power of the mind and how we aren't our thoughts work and actions and the subconscious doesn't accept a negative so therefore it's so important to take note of that and reframe what you're saying and what you're thinking because you attract what you put out so therefore if you're saying 
I don't want this. Well, you're going to get this. So it's all about framing it in the right way. It's all about saying, this is what I'm inviting in. This is what I love doing. And even if it doesn't feel like you've actually got it at the moment. And I know there was um, a phrase that used to be bounded about saying, fake it till you make it. It's not so much that, but it's actually stepping into the power of feeling what it's like to be successful and talking positively and bringing things into the now rather than future pacing things and saying, well, what I would like to be, it's like, well, this is who I am. This is what I love doing. So you're actually owning it. I want to come back to what you also said in reference to owning it. You are responsible for yourself. Nobody else is responsible for you. And it is all about that brain training. It is all about taking responsibility for your own words, thoughts and actions. You know, your health, your well-being, absolutely everything. If you blame, oh, well, it's not my fault. Might not have been, but you are responsible for how you respond to that and how you feel it and how you experience it. And with some small shifts in language and behaviour, you can experience the same thing in a completely different way. And it's that acceptance. And that's the power, isn't it? And then actually, if you if you apply that on a consistent basis, as you're saying, and that with that military precision, you take care to take note and you keep on doing the inner work, you can achieve anything you want to achieve. It depends what you want to achieve, how passionate you are about it. And that is something else that I'm passionate about is sort of, you know, encouraging people to you know align with their talents and passions because that's the key. There's no point going, well, I want the, you know, I want to change my mindset, da, 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 but actually I'm not that bothered whether I want to do that or not. Well, there's no point changing, change what you want. Do the inner work, understand yourself, know yourself. You know, you've obviously had that clarity of mind, which has sort of driven you. It still drives you now. And the other thing I love is that you've picked out the good bits and you've taken with you what resonates. And that's, again, I guess you would encourage other people like I would encourage people to do, because it's not about all the learning, because everybody learns in different ways. They've got different learning styles, but it's the bits that resonate that help you become you. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I think that can be a positive or a negative experience, you know, and there's probably a better way to phrase it. But, you know, there might be aspects of things that haven't gone so well for your life. And so, again, you know, with the military, I might think, well, I didn't like that about the military. So I'm now doing a 180. But I've come to realise that that was actually a kind of platform that I leapt off as opposed to rejecting it. I actually sort of took it with me. I took that experience with me and learned from it. And so when you sort of see that, you kind of go, oh, that's exciting because actually nothing really bad can happen. I'm not saying bad things don't. I can always grow and learn. So actually, I don't need to be afraid of things not always going my way or finding things difficult because that might just shine a light on something else that I would never have seen otherwise. So it sort of starts to feel quite kind of quite bomb-proof and you're like god you know is this is it really possible to feel like this but it is because you just see everything is part of the journey absolutely it's it's, it's the lens you view through and it, absolutely i see things that you know those bumps in you know what is the learning what i'm being presented as you said you know something that's not right for you it's reflecting it's not right it, you know if it doesn't you just move away from it you don't challenge it you don't keep on pushing against something you don't want to do it's it's well where's it going to take me off to now I'm obviously not meant to go down that route that road however much I think I want to I've got to carry on with it I mean I can liken it to a recruit my recruitment business that I set up for years I've been trying to get away from it but it's hung on and it's clung onto my legs like like oh you're not going anywhere okay oh my gosh all right okay I surrender okay it's fine I hear you I hear you and I've built it up and it's it, you know the fact that I have you know and I, I, I've been trading since 2014 with a VAT registered limited company I've got that as a businesswoman underneath my belt and I've got that as a reference point you know and it is something that I can share and I can understand the challenges that people have with business doesn't mean to say I still understand what my accountants are telling me when they send me things that have got brackets around them and this that and the other for this year and that year I'm going 
Oh, <laughs> what? How much do I owe the HMRC? And then have a cry. But, you know, <laughs> just, sometimes it's you, you stop resisting. But, you know, it is about, again, coming down to taking that responsibility for yourself. I'm going to refer to a post that Sarah put on LinkedIn about labels. And it was quite, it resonated with me, which is why I commented on it, because... I feel that labels can be an explanation, but I think they can also be very detrimental to people as they hang on to them and cling on to them because then they can form themselves around that label and they can become that label. Whereas actually it's only meant as a tool to help perhaps understand, but not to become. But uh, you, you, you talk about what you were saying because obviously that was your post no and i and i think there's there's two dangers with it so and i you know again i said on the post I, i'm treading on very thin ice here because i know a lot of people i speak to in the military particularly blokes who tend to be less up for talking about stuff say actually it's hugely important that we can talk about these things and if, if a label helps you to talk about something and it makes it okay then that's great we want to get to that place you know i'm just seeing a world where it's just so easy to go, oh, well, that's my anxiety or that's my PTSD or that's my X, Y, Z. And I'm not saying these things don't exist, but I just wonder if two things are happening. One is if you look for it, you'll find it. I've even looked at whether or not my son's got ADHD, has he, is he autistic, all these things. You go, oh, is he, you know, is he dyslexic? All these things. So if you look for it, you might find it. And if that helps you to then cope with it, manage it, fine. But if it then becomes an excuse for you to carry on and, you know, really kind of shifting responsibility away where you go, well, I can't help it because it's my, you know, whatever it is. Then I just wonder if that's doing people a disservice. But I also wonder if by planting these labels everywhere, it's almost attracting people go, oh, yeah, well, I've come to think of it. I am quite anxious. You know, what if we started planting some happiness labels out there? You know, would people go, well, actually, come to think of it, I am unusually happy today. <laughs> no, it is absolutely the power of words is incredible. It really is. And when you plant that seed of that word of that doubt, that can and you water the doubt with all the other things that, that then it, it manifests. But equally so, if you plant that seed of positivity and go, OK, well, you might have all of these things. How is it propelling you forward? How can you use that understanding whether you're this, that or the other? to your benefit how can you be creative with it how can you look I mean because the thing is at the end of the day the honest truth is we are all different so do we all need a label to describe ourselves see I'm very much with you on this one. I think it's been too much trying to define why can we not just accept everybody for who they are do you know it's simple you know we've all got these different personality traits we've all got these different experiences due to our upbringing, due to the experiences, due to being human, due to, you know, both being in the same room but experiencing it in a different way because of our learning mechanisms, we're all different. So do we all need... No, we don't need a different tack. I, I understand it can help group people together, but... Yeah, I'm with you kind of on that one. Oh, Craig, there's so much more I want to talk about because Sarah's got a book coming out that's going to be due on the, um, when is it, the 4th, 4th, 5th? 5th of October on Amazon. But um, I will be at the Henley Literary Festival as well on the 3rd, which is a chance to pick up an earlier copy. Apart from that, how do people get in touch with you, Sarah? I do hang out on LinkedIn. Hang out on LinkedIn? Hang that out. sounds weird, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, you're having fun um, hanging out on LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> but that's where I put most of my content. So if you put Sarah J. Furness actually into LinkedIn, Oh, you've got a J as well. Me. I do. Oh, I do. what was your um, J for? Janet. Oh, you're a Janet. I'm, I'm a Joanne. Janet. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. So yeah, so LinkedIn um, is kind of where I post regularly, but, but also you can always 
obviously come and see me at my website, which is sarahfurness.com. Not that I'm obsessed with myself. And if you're more into the coaching side of things, so sarahfurness.com is where I do the speaking side of things. If you want not to know more about mindfulness and coaching, then it's wellbeitcoach.com. Thank you again for listening. Thank you to Sarah. And until next time, everybody, have a wonderful rest of the day, week, month, year. Take care and lots of love from me. Thanks for listening to the Harnessing Happiness podcast with Sarah J. Naylor. If you took value from the content, please follow the show on your podcast app. And to find out more about Sarah's ape mindset, visit sarahjnaylor.com. That's sarahjnaylor.com.